So good morning. Welcome to the eight. I hope you enjoyed a little bit of humor there this morning. Um, it wasn't all of it, but it was good. Um, anyways, uh, there is a topic that ever so often um, pops into my head because this is one of those topics where you really, really have to work on it because it doesn't just happen on its own. So this is the practice of keeping the unity of the spirit, which leads to the bond of peace. And we're going to um, read about this unity of the spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 here together in a, in a few minutes. I'm very passionate about this topic because, again, like I said, it doesn't just happen on its own, and you really, really have to work on it. And there are some of those relationships where you have to work extra hard to keep the unity of the spirit, but I promise you the reward of your hard work, it, it's so sweet and so worth it when you have that unity of spirit with everyone. Um, I want to make something clear. This unity of the spirit is something that has already been given to us. It's not something that we're creating from scratch. It is our responsibility to preserve that unity. So it's not something that we have to come up with on our own or that we have to create. It's something that's already created and given to us. And then it is our responsibility to, res to preserve that, um, that spirit. Kind of, you know, like kindling a fire. You can't just create a fire and then leave it on its own. You have to keep feeding that fire in order for it to keep burning. So an example that came to mind about this unity of spirit, something that happens between people and then you're like, whoa, this is weird. So me, thank God I have a great relationship with my parents and me and like, me and my parents, like we both give each other advice. So it's funny, like my dad would call me and like ask me for advice about something and then I would tell him and they'd be like, did you talk to your mom? And I'm like, no, I didn't. And then, you know, the same thing would happen. Like if I, if I asked my mom for advice and be like, did you talk to dad? Like, so we're like, we're all saying the same thing. Like it's all the same spirit that's talking. And that's the beauty of preserving the spirit, the unity of spirit, because then you really feel it working among all of you. So question time. Before we get into unity of the spirit and all of this, I want to kind of set our minds where we need to be. So if I asked you, if I asked you what was the purpose of coming to a physical church, what would you say? Okay, worship God, good. Communion? Yes? Okay, good. F to focus more, if I'm listening to a liturgy on YouTube or whatever, I'm not really engaged. But to be in the physical church, I'm more focused. The people in the community, good, good. All of these are very good answers. So, church is a place for us to gather to directly connect with God as one body in Christ. So that encompasses everything that you guys said. So church is a place for us to gather, to directly connect with God. There is nothing separating between me between me and God. Now, this is the closest connection that I can have is in the church with God. As one body in Christ, we are all st standing together as one body in Christ. Okay. God never intended for us to live the Christian life alone. 
Okay, I want to say that again. God never intended for us to live the Christian life alone. But how can I be one with that annoying person that I just cannot even stand the sight of? Or how can I be one with someone that I don't even have a relationship with or that I don't even talk to? How can I preserve the unity without a perfect love that's unconditional and unbiased like Christ showed us? So if I'm not one with the rest of the members that's in the body, I can't be one with Christ who is the body. So that's why I love the journey of the liturgy the, the, the church understands that in order for us to become one, we have to do things like reconcile with one another. So in the prayer of reconciliation, we can see here in this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So we no longer have our own sins on us, but he took our sins on him and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. So Christ came to reconcile with us. God came to reconcile with us through Christ. So now it is my responsibility to walk in that word of reconciliation with each other, okay? So we don't, we, we're not, I, I'm gonna take it a step further and not only say we are to love through reconciliation, we should be mediators of this thing called reconciliation. Okay, very, very important. So when I talk about big words like reconciliation and unity of the spirit and all of these big things, how can we talk about something as little and as superficial as small talk? So I like to joke and say that small talk is like the, like, the killer of souls, I mean like my soul especially, like it just kills my soul, the small talk, which don't get me wrong, I understand that when you are meeting someone for the first time, naturally that's going to happen, the small talk is going to happen, but are we, are we stopping there, are we just stopping at the small talk, uh, my love language is quality time, and my family knows it's like we need to be like sitting face to face, staring into each other's souls. Like that's how quality time I want. And so I feel like how much more do we need to have that with each other as all being the same member of, of Christ? So these next couple of weeks are not going to be complicated you're probably going to hear a lot of things that you've heard before, but they are going to be demanding. So I am going to be demanding of you in these next couple of weeks. But nothing here that I'm saying is complicated or anything that you haven't heard before. So you don't have to be best friends with everyone. And please, don't be creepy and forced either. Like, I don't want you to, like, push yourself on people too much. But there is a way to be inclusive and open to forming bonds with everybody that we come in contact with, okay? So I, I want us to, to, to just leave room for relationships to grow, have an open door, and, to, and see what the impact will be if we're open to forming those relationships. And we will talk about practical steps on how to exercise um, forming these relationships um, next week. So I think this is a perfect timing for this talk because with the holidays coming up, we are going to be forced to be with a lot of people 
that maybe we don't have a lot, of, a lot in common with, maybe we don't have any conversation with, but this, this unity of spirit goes beyond just the holidays. This is in our marriages, in our relationships with our kids, in our relationships with our coworkers. This is something that is an ongoing thing, like I said, that constantly has to be in our minds for us to work on because it does not happen by itself. So I want to get into the verses that talk about the unity of the spirit in chapter four, but we need to set ourselves up a little bit and see what was happening in chapter number three. So in chapter number three, St. Paul is writing to the Ephesians. So St. Paul was an apostle or a Christian teacher who spread the gospel of Christ in the first century. So St. Paul is writing to the Ephesians and this is what he tells them. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So, all of, so he's telling the Ephesians, all of those things that you questioned about the Messiah and about the laws and all of those things in the beginning that you were questioning and you were wondering about, those things were not revealed to you in the other age, in the age before this. But now that Christ has died and resurrected and has sent us the Holy Spirit, we are now, all of these things now have been revealed to us through the Spirit, okay? And then he continues. So now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So now we see here there is no differentiation between the Gentiles and the Jews. So the Gentiles is just a word for anyone who wasn't a Jew, anyone who wasn't a follower of Christ. But now we see here through the resurrection, there is no more division between Gentiles and Jews, man, woman, all of those barriers and all of those differences were squashed by the resurrection, okay? And then continuing in verse 17, that, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This love that we're talking about, it surpasses any knowledge that we can ever have. It, it, it surpasses, are you a believer? Are you a non-believer? Are you a Gentile? Are you a Jew? It surpasses all of these things. It is a unbiased love. So we, we see here that the, the people have now gone from a strict, secluded, synagogue, Jewish tradition of worship to now the church which is open to all open to everyone so now we see here the clear moving saint paul is is reminding them we have moved from old to new christ came and he renewed what the way we should be thinking especially when it came to those in the church okay so now that we have that set up we can um go and read about the unity of the spirit in ephesians chapter 4 this is St. Paul talking. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So the word beseech is like, I, I implore you, I urgently and fervently ask you to please hear what I have to say. So even in his language, he's trying to get their attention to something that is very, very important that he wants them to have. After that, he says, walk worthy of the call with which you are called. What is that lifestyle that we are worthy to be called of? What is that? What does that look like? In the first hour of the Igbeya, the book of prayers, we see in the Pauline epistle this exact uh, passage, Ephesians chapter 4. So Pauline epistle is an epistle or a book that's written by St. Paul. So we see in at the first hour, the church is reminding us, I want you to set your mind to be unified with everyone. From the beginning of the day, I am supposed to remind myself. Because guess what? I am going to encounter an annoying person at the grocery store. I am going to go and I'm going to be confronted with my boss that's very tough on me. All of these things are going to happen. But if I put it in my mind from the beginning of the day that I am going to preserve that unity of the spirit, then none of, that, none of those things will shake us from keeping the unity. Another silly question that we ask each other since we were in Sunday school is what would Jesus do? Literally ask yourself in those situations, what would Jesus do? I know it's a very simple thing that we've been told since we were little, but think about how Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman. How did he approach or deal with the tax collector Zacchaeus? How did he interact with all of these people that didn't fit into the typical Christian picture? Again, none of this is complicated, but it is demanding of us. So St. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about all of these things lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering. These are the virtues that we need to have in order for us to begin to preserve the unity of the Spirit. So let's go over those very briefly. The first one is lowliness, okay? And this is just a fancy word for being humble, okay? We're talking about true humbleness here. A humbleness in your heart, not just something that you outwardly show, oh, you know, uh, no, it's okay, don't, don't worry about me. You know, sometimes we say these things so that we can look humble on the outside, but really, as soon as somebody walks away, it's like, how could they forget about me? Or how could they, you know, so wh what is the humbleness that you have? Is it something that's truly in your heart that you don't even have to show outwardly? Or is it something that we're just showing outwardly so that people can call us humble? So lowliness. Number two, gentleness just to be gentle and kind. I know a lot of people, I, I've, I've met a lot of people that will say, I'm so loud and I'm so boisterous, there is no way I can be gentle. If that's your personality, great. Be loud, be boisterous. That doesn't mean that you're not gentle. Being gentle means that you care about the person in front of you. When someone is confining in you, you're showing them kindness. You're going out of your way to show that you care about what they're going through, to care about what, they, what, what interest they showed in whatever they were talking to you about. Long-suffering. This is one that I am personally working on. I have a toddler, 
and I need a lot of long suffering. <laughs> so this is the ability to suffer for a long time, to endure and to not be on edge and snappy all the time, especially for those of you who are married. It is so easy when you're having a bad day when your spouse comes in and you're just like, you're just like snapping at them and they're like, I literally am just existing. Why are you snapping at me? It's because we don't have long suffering and, and I'm, speaking, I'm speaking to myself on this one. It's so easy for us to just snap and to just take out whatever we're feeling on the inside with the person that's in front of us. And it doesn't even have to be somebody that you know. You know. It can be somebody on, in the grocery store or whatever and you take out your frustration on them because you're going through something and i'm not belittling whatever is happening in your life but we should always have this virtue of long suffering through whatever we're going th through whatever we're going through so that it doesn't come out in anger or snappiness or being on edge all the time forbearance bearing with one another putting up with the weaknesses of other, not expecting too much from the person in front of me and to meet them where they are. So uh, there, is, there is a priest by the name of Abuna Girgis, Abuna Girgis Sami, and he's actually a priest in uh, Staten Island, New York, and he's the one that married my parents. And he actually, when me and my husband got married, he came and married us too. So he's very, very close with us. And I remember maybe when I was in fifth or sixth grade, his mom passed away. And they sent like a little booklet in the mail talking about her life, kind of like a eulogy. And I remember I just saw it and I was like, I saw his name and I, I love Abuna Girgis, so I wanted to read what that was about. So I read and in there, I'll never forget, it said, it said about her giving people excuses. And I was like, what does that mean? And I remember I asked my dad, I said, what does that mean that she gave people excuses? And he said, if somebody did her wrong or if somebody made her upset, she would find a way to not be upset at that person. Oh, maybe he's having a bad day or maybe he's going through a lot or maybe he didn't mean to say that. To give somebody an excuse for doing something wrong to you or just instead of judging a person, to have, to have understanding that that person, is, that's where they are in their journey. So that, that, that always comes to mind. That was the very first time that I learned about something called forbearance, to, to look at somebody and to understand that that person is weak just like me and to meet them where they are and to always give each other excuses, not just to jump quickly to blaming them or for putting them down or for getting upset that they hurt you or whatever it is. Love. So love is such a key word here. I, I'm gonna save love for next week because we need some time to talk about love. Love combines all of these virtues that we're talking about. Love encompasses all virtues. Um, and and this, is, this is something that needs to be at the forefront before anything else. I need to have love. I'm not gonna be able to be gentle if I don't have love. I'm not gonna be able to be long-suffering if I don't have love. I'm not gonna have forbearance or lowliness if I don't have love. So love is a really, really big one here. And I'm sorry to leave you hanging, but we're gonna talk about love next week. <laughs> Endeavoring to keep the spirit of the bond of peace. Endeavoring here means to zealously keep the, 
to be zealous, to be just so passionate and so willing to keep the spirit, uh, to keep the unity of the spirit, that it gives you the bond of peace. And this comes through reconciliation and being able to forgive, like we, well, like we talked about before. So there is no peace when the bond is severed between us. And that happens through a whole bunch of things, a fight or somebody said something or a miscommunication happened. It's gonna happen, we're humans. Miscommunications are gonna happen. We're gonna make each other upset. But it doesn't mean that we, that it doesn't mean that we can't come back and unify. So these things, yes, it breaks the bond, uh, it breaks the bond of peace, but it doesn't necessarily have to break the unity of the spirit, okay? So why do we have, like for example, why do we have all of these doctors that are learning about diseases and different things? Because when one part of the body is not functioning like it's supposed to, it throws everything off. So it's very important for us to be functioning together um, as one body. So I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes for us to see the opposite of what would happen if we don't do something in order for us to want to do it. So let's play a little game. What is the opposite of lowliness? Okay, so ego. What's the opposite of uh, gentleness? What is it? Okay, yes, aggressive, aggression. What's the, different, what's the opposite of long-suffering? Yes, impatience. What's the difference of forbearance? Oh, the opposite of forbearance. Okay, intolerance. The opposite of love? Hatred. And the opposite of forgiveness? What is it? Okay, or an unforgiving heart, resentment or an unforgiving heart. Good. So sometimes it kind of helps to see the opposite of what happens if we don't get these virtues, um, what can happen and what it can lead to. So to obtain these six virtues, it takes a lot of work. I'm not going to stand here and say it's going to be easy peasy. And we can't stand in front of God and ask him for these virtues without us taking a conscious effort to practice them. Um, so what is that work? We're going to talk about practical ways of how we can not only obtain these virtues, but really put them to practice next week. So before we end today, um, I'm going to leave this, I'm going to leave you with this. Unity doesn't mean that it canceled out, cancels out our diversity. Okay, so unity does not imply uniformity. It doesn't mean that all Christians will think alike or perform identical ministries. That's not what it means. However, it does imply a common purpose and interdependence within the body of Christ. So just because we're, uni we're, we're unified and we need to be the same members of the body, doesn't mean that I have to do what the person next to me is doing. Doesn't mean that I have to be involved with the same ministry that someone else is involved in. God has given each and every one of us a gift. And it is our responsibility to know what that gift is, to use that gift, and to incorporate it into our unity of the body. There is no church without you, and there is no church without me. 
There is no church without all of those people walking around out there wondering if there is more to life than their loneliness, than their hopelessness. There would be no church without any, uh, any of us. The church is for all who seeks a father and who is looking for a savior. And shame on us, shame on me, if I do anything to stand in the way of someone trying to reach Christ. So, why should we preserve the unity of the Spirit? Let's recap. God never intended for any of us to live the Christian life alone. Please remember that. Please remember. God does not want you to be secluded and not a part of his body. I have to remember what the big picture is. We talked about what is the church. A place for us to gather to meet God on a, pers a very personal level. For us to be one in his body. And then I have the six virtues that we talked about that will help me walk in, in, on the journey of getting to preserving the unity of the spirit. Then I have to remember what my gifts are because just because we're unified doesn't mean that we don't have diversity. Doesn't mean that we don't have our own gifts and talents that we can contribute to that body. So we must live with our diversity while preserving, not creating, it's already created, the unity of spirit to obtain that bond of peace. I don't think any of us sitting here today can say that they don't want to have a peaceful life. None of us here will say, I don't want peace. I want things to continue to be chaotic around me. What is, where does that bond of peace come from? It's that unity between all of us. It has nothing to do between a believer and a non-believer. We are all one in the body of Christ. Okay, so next week we will talk about more practical ways on how to actually um, obtain these virtues and how I can practice this unity of spirit, not only on Sundays with each other, but as we go out into the world. Okay, let's stand up to pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, Lord, for gathering us here together. We thank you for giving us a place where we can come and connect with you personally without any distractions, without any hindrances, just between us and you, a conversation, a relationship for us to grow and to become closer to you. We thank you, O Lord, for this unity of peace that you have entrusted us with. We ask that you please continue to help us preserve this unity. Open our eyes to the virtues that we need in order for us to strengthen this unity between us. Help us be able to reconcile with one another and to not keep any enmity between any of us so that we can continue to be unified in your body. We ask all these things through the intercession of St. Mary, St. Moses the Strong, St. Mark, St. John the Beloved, and all your saints. Hear us as we pray together. Thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. In the name of the Father.